Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Are you hungry for adventure? Do you crave hilarious and perilous tabletop campaigns? Don't bother rolling perception, pal. We've got you covered. Behold! Dungeons and Doritos. Nerdy Show's epic tabletop audio drama. A cinematic serial of mayhem-filled, morally questionable quests at DungeonsAndDoritos.com. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here with another episode of Flame On. It is the year 2021, and we are back with our first pop culture roundup of the new year. I am joined by Brian. Howdy. BJ. Greetings. And Eric. Hello. And we are here to discuss the things in pop culture that have intrigued us this month. So uh, before we get into our individual topics... Let's go ahead and dive into some uh, general things. Uh, we recently recorded for our Patreon subscribers a, uh, we call them micro micros, but this one went uh, about the length of a regular microsode. Yeah. And uh, we, talk, we talked about the insurrection that happened at the Capitol uh, on the 6th of January. But uh, since then, there has also been uh, more development. I'm honestly just thinking that I need to go back to hosting game night because the first two Wednesdays of 2021 where there have been no digital game night episodes, we had an insurrection and an impeachment. <laughs> so uh, let's go to our resident uh, political voice of the podcast and uh, throw it over to Brian for any thoughts on uh, impeachment 2.0. Oh, Lord. So, uh, I think that I'm not surprised that the Democrats would do this. I am of the opinion that 
I guess what I'm worried about is the execution of the trial in the Senate because I don't know when that's going to happen and McConnell is going to do everything he can before he actually, you know, is no longer the majority leader, at least, to slow walk uh, the whole process. Oh, yeah. Which then means it butts up against the uh, beginning of Biden's term and the beginning of when the Democrats control both houses. So I want to believe that it's the right thing to do. And I mean, hell, for, for, for many reasons, it is the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong. But from a costs analysis, like cost benefits, right? The best thing that can come out of this, I think, is he's convicted and we um he, he can't run again that's like one of the the, the the censure so censure is one of the options you can't remove him from office because he's not in office at that point and yeah i mean you basically just uh say hey you can't run again which would be fantastic right but at the same time like the cost is the congress doesn't get to enact any legislation because basically i don't know if you know people may not be familiar with this the senate does not do anything else while an impeachment trial is going they cannot do any legislation. They cannot do any committee stuff. It is just full-time impeachment trial. And, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm, like, mixed. You know, I, I want this to happen. I'm, I love that he's, in history, going to go down as the only president to be impeached twice. But I'm also like, uh, what's the cost? So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it's it's interesting because I've heard I've heard multiple things. I've heard either they're going to try and fast-track it. Um, which I'm not entirely sure how they would do that, but there's been talk about fast-tracking the, um, the whole thing, or just holding off. Like, I, I've heard a lot of, a lot of, uh, politicians talk about holding off so Biden can kind of get his administration actually, like, rolling, because they still have to vote on his cabinet, um, they still have to kind of, he just, uh, he just dropped his, uh, it's like $1.9 trillion, like, stimulus package, um, so there's a lot of stuff that he wants to do. And I think right now, at least with most of the Democrats, they're actually like, you know what? We've got plenty of time to drag him down the road, hooked to a truck. Um, at least that, that's what they're thinking for now. They don't know if he's going to like try and leave the country. Um, but, uh, from what I've heard so far is that they really actually want to get Biden's administration and all of his plans rolling before they actually start the whole trial process yeah so what you're saying they're talking about fast tracking or not basically the house decides when they send the articles over to the senate and they did this actually in the first impeachment they they held off on sending uh the articles over and i don't remember why the first time they did that but if they choose to because they control both parties or both uh, houses rather like, they can say, all right, you know what, We're, we've already done the impeaching part. Let's hold off until we get through the cabinet uh, nominations, cabinet approvals, uh, yeah. confirmations, I should say, and the stimulus package, which is critical. Uh, I think there's, like, you know, get past the first 100 days, because that's, like, every president comes in the first 100 days is, like, that early metric to see how successful they are. See, yeah. actually, what they can get through. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so that would be the, if they don't slow walk or if they fast track... But if, uh, yeah, they decide, you know, we want to do this, we're going to get it out of the way, then that's, again, where you'd have the cost to, uh, you know, not not do some of that. So it, it's yeah. uh, interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, this is the thing. Political wonks, like, this is 
fascinating. This is history. This is unprecedented. Like history, historians, political uh, scientists, like if it weren't for the current stress of the situation, (laughs) the last four years are fascinating. And just uh, so much is going to be written. So much is going to be said. And and it's going to go down in history in so many interesting ways that uh, we're just too close to it. So uh, I am thrilled for this moment when we have a little distance and can look back. But I also am very concerned for this moment. I shared on Facebook this article about the Beer Hall Putsch uh, in Germany. Basically, before Hitler took over, oh, they yeah. had this they had this insurrection at their... Uh, it wasn't quite... Was it, was it the capital or not? I don't know. I'm not so familiar with German um, locations, let's say. But long story short, they had a failed insurrection. Hitler was part of that didn't happen like it, it, it failed right so he went away for a while but because of the situation and because of the underlying resentment and the, all this other stuff he came back and took over 10 years later now trump's too old for that thank god right he is way too old but one of the concerns is could somebody and i don't even know who it would be it wouldn't be ivanka right we're talking like you know somebody else i don't even think any of trump's kids really would be able to pull this off but, i mean he's so, got like he's got like a 13 year old son I think well yeah okay so Baron maybe it would probably it'd be <laughs> no, Kushner it, if it came down to it oh yeah. he's not charismatic and see the problem is like Hitler was charismatic even though we we think back and we see the videos and we're like oh what the fuck he was this do you really think German Trump guy, is charismatic or is he I just think I think he's charismatic five year old speech level speaking to a base you know racist uh, angry population I think he's charismatic. I think I think he's not someone I find uh, like appealing to st- sit there and talk to. But I know a lot of his supporters, whether because they're colleagues, friends, God forbid, family members, and they love the dude. Like they don't yeah. just think he's a good guy. They want to have a drink with him. They they, they like it's almost like a cult like worship in quite in quite in a numerous number in a numerous number in a lot of different like in, instances. Not all. But yeah, long story short, who could be that person to come in and capitalize on this movement? Because the movement's not going away. Trump's not going away. And so if he wanted to share the limelight, which is the other problem, is he doesn't, you know, he could sort of find this person to succeed him in a certain respect, and then they could sort of take this movement and build it. And that's the worry I think historians are looking at, like, right now, just could we have a repeat of that? Now, and, and I, that's why you, I think there's that's many reasons... Have... Okay. So that's that's why you have people like um, Cruz or Holly trying to yes because they're they're like oh I can take this momentum and use it in the future. No, I think you're absolutely right. There's a there's a political calculus that they that they went through to to make that decision to support the uh, to reject rather the state's uh, electoral college. Uh, slate or whatever but i mean yeah it's unclear and so i think there's a lot of people are on guard right now that's one of the reasons why you have to sort of go after some of these people who are the organizers and they're finally starting to get to that point oh yeah uh, with the insurrection i think the next week or two is going to be critical to see if there's a repeat of any of this in any like state and local and then federal you know i mean my friends in washington like i saw seeing the pictures and i was talking to people it is a mess if you're in the district right now and you are anywhere close to the capital which is a lot of people who live like capitol hill and um uh even uh oh man i haven't been to dc in forever but yeah anyway long story short the city is a nightmare mess and uh yeah i don't know it's a weird time so uh that's my political analysis 
but thank you to Parlor for choosing to have uh, verified citizens <laughs> where you upload a, a photo of the front and back of your ID <laughs> to uh, confirm your your status as a patriot in this country and making it much easier for uh, the, the government to be able to find them and put them on their fly lists. Oh, and they're they're have hissy fits. Also, somebody hacked Parlor and downloaded everything before it got taken offline. This is yep. the beauty of it. You didn't even have to do any really hacking. I was talking to a friend of mine who works for Amazon, and he doesn't work for AWS that does the back-end server stuff, but he understood what, what had happened. And he's like, yeah, you're supposed to do this thing to make it like hard to find internal data. <clears throat> the people who built Parler, I think because they built it so quickly, and it was just a like a lot of things with Trump, it's kind of a mess. Although Trump himself has no responsibility for Parler. I should make that clear. They just enumerated every post in, in, in order, which you might think, well, that's that makes sense. No, you're supposed to have like a weird algorithm to make it harder. You can't just go one, two, three, four. Yeah. So, so they made it so simple for any idiot with a little limited knowledge of scripting to, 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 to scrape, not even hack, just scrape. Just take the data. It's right but there. The, it's amazing. The, the, what I've heard about their security is it's paramount to you... It's paramount to you not having a front door, but a screen door secured with a hook. Yep. Um, I, I and like that's that. their security. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. I do. I am living for these videos where people are finding out they're on the no-fly list. Like, oh. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Although, although I was watching them, and then I got to that one where the guy's just like, he's like, you're treating me like a black person. And I'm just kind of like, like, anyone... Like, he knows. Like, he knows socially what's wrong. He just thinks it doesn't apply to him. I'm just like... As most white supremacists feel. They don't feel like that's how they should be treated. Um, I had read something, and I'm not sure if it's 100% true. Obviously, you know, I didn't feel like digging into it more because I was just enjoying the fact that people were stupid enough to... Uh, one rush to create this and and do it in such a way and two that people that were using it who were bitching moaning and complaining about uh censorship and uh too much uh oversight and and too far of a reach from certain companies to uh just go ahead and post you know your your front and back of your driver's license and give your social security number because that was the other part of the information that they gave as well um but apparently there was something along the lines of because it was done in such a rush, they didn't activate the um, like the forgot password to send it to the email of the person who registered the account. <laughs> so it basically just, when you hit forgot password, <laughs> it just sets you to the screen to reset your password. It didn't do the two-step process to then send it to the, the person who you know registered the account wow. and then go through. You know, whenever you hit forget password, you get that email that says, a request was made if this was wasn't you you know then whatever or blah 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 yeah so that's how they got in was they just went in and uh changed the password and then made uh, additional admin accounts and that's how they were able to get so much information down before parlor was taken offline wow. so it yeah it, there's a there's a, a little group of of uh, people out there that were uh, working overtime to make sure they got as much information off of that site before um, uh, before it got taken offline. So, uh, so we had that happen. So that's one thing to chat about before we get into our, our topics. Um, 
the other thing, why don't we talk about Puerto Vallarta and uh, no. homosexuals oh. that were all up in there celebrate New Year's okay. Eve? Looking at you, Shangela. Okay, so looking at you, Silky. <laughs> looking at you, Vanjie. What sick? <laughs> the... <laughs> They just released that big study saying that the new variant is going to be the dominant form of the virus in less than, like, I think two, three months. And I went to go get carryout from one of my favorite restaurants today, and you would not know it. And I'm just like, like, I literally was on my way to go get carryout from Domu, um, the ramen place here, and, like, people just everywhere. And in my head, I'm like, how does nobody understand this? And it's just... It's this weird, it's, it's like everybody, what, uh, what was the town from the movie Jaws? Amity. It was like a, Am, Amity Cove. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everybody lives in Amity Cove and they're listening to the mayor before the end of the movie. And it's just weird to me. And in my head, I was thinking about um, Puerto Vallarta and I was like, did they just like. I don't know. It's just weird. It's like you've got a, you've got a sect of people that think that they're invincible, or they may be young enough to think that it's not going to like mess them up. But then, at that same thing, you ha- you like they just didn't care about what kind of effects this could have. Because I got COVID, and I was one of the lucky ones that didn't have a horrible reaction. But at the same time, I was like sequestered away from my roommates. I was like, the last thing I wanted to do was get anybody else sick. Hell, I was scared of getting my dog sick. And I'm like, I, I was, I mean, it was the first 24 hours were the most emotionally, like, draining moments of my life. Because I'm like, like I'm I'm people tracing in my head for my phone interview. And I did my phone interview. And thankfully, the woman at the phone interview was just like, were you at this grocery store off Chickasaw? And I was like. Yes, and she goes. That's where you got it. Um, really? Yeah, and they traced wow. it to that. Wow. It was, it was. It was these two old people that did not wear masks. Oh my god! You even said that you thought that was the- <laughs> that was one of the two places I put it. And they said that like eight people at this grocery store had caught it, and like twelve or thirteen other people just like going grocery shopping there oh had my got god. it. And You're killing and, me. She, and she said once she got through a lot of the interviews, when you type in the information, it actually gives gives her a ping. Or gives her supervisor a ping saying like this place was probably a spreader event. Oh um, my god! So she would yeah. The moment she said the name of the grocery store, I was like, well, and then and then she was like, were there two people there not wearing a mask? And I was like, oh boy. So like, were their she, names Jane and Tom? <laughs> she was, but she was just like she was like they. She's like both of them were sick and they were just hanging. And because when I was there, it was these two old people that just they weren't doing anything. It was like it was like you know when you have older people power walking in a in a mall back when malls were a thing. That's what they they were just there to get out the house, but they didn't go to a park. They went to like an enclosed space with people doing stuff. And I'm like, what's so, crazy to me is you're talking about you you have been other than I mean you had to you know been been working this whole time, but you know overall they've given you materials to keep you safe. You've been doing pretty much you know probably what you need to do you know other than going out a few times or what you go out to restaurants whatever like you've been pretty careful and you got it and you had a mask on at that place right yeah yeah like like that blows my mind makes me so like 
skeeved out like you wouldn't believe. And but this is the thing. This uh, is the problem with that. And the masks are good, but they're not the be all and end all. Right. And this is where the problem really kind of lies with this entire thing. One of the things that, that was briefly brought up early on in the pandemic is that there's another mucous membrane that we don't protect. And that's part of the way that it gets spread with masks, even in in environments, especially closed in areas, when our eyes are open. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's one reason I'm glad I have glasses. Honestly, it's not perfect. It's not goggles. But it it's helps. Yeah. Shield, but it helps. Yeah. So where I was going with that, though, is, okay, so you, you, you take that idea, and, and that's in a state, you know, our dear friend Florida, uh, that uh, isn't doing, like, mandatory masks. And then you go up to here, like, to Washington, and I think uh, Illinois is like this too, right? If you go indoors, you have to have a mask on, right? Is that, yeah. Like, it's a mandate. You're supposed like, to, no whether it's worn properly or always enforced, because well, there's yeah. a little grocery store that's, that's, you know, part of my building, and... I'm legit. I went down to get milk or something a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Christmas Eve. And I got so mad because this dude is just buying stuff and he's not wearing a mask. And I really just want to be like, what the fuck makes you so special that you're up in here just shopping without a mask on? Yeah. But yes, I'm sorry. Continue. But then you, I, get, I get very ang- angry and animated about this well, subject internally. We, 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 we both do, uh, I think. Uh, but like, so, so then let's go from like reasonable states to Florida, right? The fucking wild west, and then let's go to Puerto Vallarta. So, if you're not familiar with Puerto, let's Vallarta, not go to I've Puerto Vallarta. Been, I, well, <laughs> well, we can go that, now. That's the problem, Brian. <laughs> we can go now. It's probably safer. That's the problem. No, no, no. So, so, so that area is is a um, it's a tourist resort area, of course. But there's a lot of uh, communities in that area. And in, in Mexico, that they are balls to the wall, full of COVID in the local community, so much that the hospitals are are, are, are having a hard time treating them, much less people who have other issues, right? So the gays in this, you know, circuit party, you know, uh, whatever, decide to descend upon it for New Year's Eve, even though they know that um, it's, it's a bad idea, at least in the sense that, uh, you know, they could be exposed, like personally dangerous to themselves. But then on top of that, to go down there, potentially having previously been exposed or not, whether, you know, whatever, and then to potentially spread that among the hotel workers and the people in those communities who they interact with, again, not to mention themselves and their their fuck buddies and dance party or party goers, whatever, is to me so incredibly selfish and it makes me so mad and it, 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 it I, I just... Like, I ask myself, like, do, is there hope for humanity? I am not even kidding about this because I used to be, I mean, I think you guys all attest to this. I used to be the most, like, positive as far as humanity, futuristic, you know, I was the Mr. Whatever. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, the COVID has taught me one thing is humanity is left to its own devices without good leadership, uh, you know, responsible governance. Um, just a fuck, and, and I'm really talking about America. I should I should back that up. There's other countries that are pretty bad, but like let's just focus on America. Like we're bad. We're really a disease in so many ways because we like to spread things. And if COVID was <laughs> just as contagious, or now it's getting more contagious, but more deadly. Because thank God, BJ, you didn't have a bad case. I I on Facebook, you know, and this is all anecdotal, but like I know of 
several people, one of our good friends, I don't want to call him out, but his mother is in the hospital struggling with COVID. We just lost, I believe, one of Orlando's well best, one of Orlando's best known club kids slash drag queens to COVID. Um, and then this, this like old couple that a friend of mine posted about are in separate hospitals, both in their like 60s, 70s. I forgot what age exactly, but they're both dying of COVID. In fact, one of them just did die and they're in hospitals in different hospitals and can't be with each other. And it's fucking tragic. And you have the gays who are like, I just, uh, the, the Michael Henry video, if you haven't played it, if you haven't watched it, we'll, we'll put it up on our Facebook page. It's perfect. It gets to the, the root of the issue. It, 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 it's so succinct and still funny, but it just shows this attitude that gays have about, well, not gays, I shouldn't say, the gays have. We're gay, and we don't have this attitude, but some of these certain the gays, gays have. Trademark. And, yeah, trademark. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a thing. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, it's, 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 it's maddening. It, 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 it makes my sacrifice uh, frustrating, not because I wouldn't do it either way, but it, it, it sort of undermines the sacrifice that I've made to not go anywhere, to stay at home, to not see anyone, to, you know, like, and all of us. Like, it, it, uh, it, it's just such a slap in the face to so many people that it it it's it makes it full of righteous anger like pat's saying and just it's it's yeah. it's the history of american exceptionalism yes. yes and and always saying we're the greatest country on earth or we're and and people think that that applies to them on an individual level then and makes them better than everybody else and this history of um you basically uh, telling ourselves each individual one of us we're special and we're better and i can do anything so it, and the thing is it, it whenever there's a thing like this that happens like hell even the the insurrection everything that happens that is like people centric or humanity centric or community centric it always takes me back to invader zim and there's an episode where Dib is trying desperately to tell his class about what is going on and trying to save everyone. And somebody asks him what his problem is. And his response is exactly how I feel on such a level. He goes, my problem? My problem is that it seems like the human race wants to be destroyed. And when I tell you I feel that on a level that is almost frightening, 90% of 20, 2020 and 2021 so far has been that quote ringing in my mind. And I'm just like, oh my god. it re We really do want to take a free fall down the food chain at this point. Like, we're inviting it on multiple levels. And I just don't understand why people don't see that. Or maybe they just maybe they just put the blinders on. Yeah, and honestly, like, I've, so I've seen two different videos from two different perspectives. Uh, the Michael Henry video that Brian referenced um, is kind of the side that I'm on. And then there was one that was like, you know, from the perspective of, you know, let's, let's not, you know, we can't berate something. You know, we can't change it now that it's happened. But now, now that you're back, please, you know, be conscious, you know, quarantine. Make sure that you don't spread it. And I can, I kind of get that a little bit, a tiny bit, just a, just a wee bit, because I, <laughs> I get 
you can't change it. But you should never have fucking done it in the first place. And the fact that if you went there with COVID and you spread it to the people that live there, the natives of that area, um, you know, and not just the gays, trademark. I've seen videos from other like Mexican resorts or other resorts where there's just plenty of straight, mostly white people just enjoying themselves, not wearing masks at the bar. And these these, you know, workers in Mexico or, or wherever they're at are you know wearing masks to protect themselves or you know try to try to help but you're going and you're decimating other countries it's akin to the first settlers coming here and having blankets full of smallpox you know you're fucking coming into an area where right now you shouldn't be stay the fuck at home you know so i i get the fact of like people say wanting to say oh you know we shouldn't really berate whatever you know blah 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 but at this point I'm I'm not mad about Love that. It, it's this being... it's the same people asking for unity now instead of yes. just, instead of dividing the country more. Oh, mm. exactly. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Oh. If if, so if, you, if you if you don't punish people for doing something wrong, they aren't going to not do it in the future. Exactly. No, I mean that's that's the perfect analogy and a perfect way to tie the two the two uh, subjects together. <laughs> uh, but I. I do love, uh, you know, like gays over COVID on Instagram. Um, and there's another one, uh, like, uh, oh God, what is it? Um, the COVID Karen or something like that was one that kind of popped up in the place while, while that like 24 hour period of, uh, Instagram taking down gays over COVID. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, I, I, last thing that I'll say about this and we can get onto uh, some more fun topics medical professionals that are sitting there and um, stay home, save lives, and then go into these parties, shame the fuck on you. That Mexican doctor who's, I think, who's uh, an eye doctor who got that first vaccine shot, not the second, the first one, and then was at the party, who um, the gays were able to tell him just by his left titty. Oh, his titty? Yeah, the titty doctor. (laughs) As an eye doctor, I'm surprised you didn't see that coming. That was my favorite fucking response on Twitter ever, 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 ever. Anyway, so, and, and, the, and the thing is that, you know, people are like, oh, cancel culture, cancel culture. No, this is holding people accountable for their actions, whether or not that's going to lead to them losing their job because they weren't following, you know, guidelines, whether certain performers have it in their contracts not to be doing international travel right now who then when uh saw somebody was videotaping them put their hand up so that way they could drink their drink over this way looking at you all-star six um you know just saying just saying anyway so those are uh some topical topics that i figured we should uh discuss in this episode and now let's uh get into some uh, some actual pop culture that we have enjoyed in the month of January. Eric, why don't you kick us off and tell us about your topic, please? I mean, it, if you couldn't tell from my Zoom background, you can come join me in the sitting parlor. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, the people listening at home <laughs> or in their cars. Well, podcasts are famously a visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And. Um, but no, we're taking it back old school uh, to the Regency area 
Regency era of uh, the UK to Bridgerton, uh, Shonda Rhimes' new show on Netflix, um, which is basically Gossip Girl in the Victorian era. Uh, although I've never seen Gossip Girl, and this is my first time watching a Shonda Rhimes show. I've never watched Grey's. <laughs> I've never watched How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, wow. Or whatever the third one is that I can't think of right now. Uh, Scandal. Yeah. Never watched any of those, but um, I was like, "Wasn't there also I... private practice? Wasn't that also a Shonda show that didn't last that long, though?" Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the spinoff of Grace. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, but I enjoyed this a lot. Not, it's, it's not. It, it kind of is upstairs, downstairs, but way more upstairs than downstairs. It's definitely wow. not Downton Abbey. Um, but you get a lot of stylized, old-school uh, interiors and exteriors of beautiful houses. You get a lot of fun fashions that aren't necessarily um, period accurate, but are just made to look good. Uh, you got good Victorian drag, basically. <laughs> um, and then it's just the telling of this one family, the Bridgertons, the dad's dead. Uh, but other than that, they're basically the Brady Bunch if Alice was a lot of people. Because uh, you got three brothers and three daughters. Um, and um, it's the oldest daughter is just coming into the social circle. And this is where she's paraded around trying to get married off. And uh, her brother, who is the head of the household, kind of strong arms everyone away from her trying to protect her until she's left with nobody courting her except this nasty, nasty person. And then she bumps into the Duke and they pretend to have a courtship, which then leads to the real thing. All romantic comedy. I was going to say she ran into the Duke. All right. (laughs) She ran into his Duke. Ten times. <laughs> he had um, it coming. <laughs> oh, he was coming, all right. Oh! <laughs> um, has anybody else watched Bridgerton? I watched the first episode and kind of went, okay, um, I don't know that I like this. I mean, I like British period dramas but i think i don't expect them to be quite that style it reminded me a little bit about uh the great which i loved oh yeah thoroughly enjoyed that but without as much uh wit and and i've only seen the first episode so I, i i'm not saying it's not good i just uh i don't know i was i was definitely torn i've never watched a shondaland production Though I was reading a little bit about, I guess, so it's not Shonda Rhimes show running. It's like a lot of her projects. She sort of is the, like, executive producer. Uh, yeah. And then they brought in this guy named Van Dusen, who had worked with her on Private Practice, actually, funny enough, and um, Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. Um, and I didn't know this either. I, actually, I think we found this at the time. It's adapted. It's not an original work. It's adapted from the first book of this very popular series that I had never heard of called Bridgerton uh, by um, Julia Quinn. And it's based, the first season is based on the first book, which is 
the Duke and I. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see how these things get made and, and how they all shape. And, I mean, Eric, you finished it, right? Yeah, I watched it all. So, I mean, overall, you found that it it's it's successful as, a, you know, the whole season storytelling. Because I know Shondaland I stuff so. a lot of times kind of runs... It, it, they're soap operas, like they kind of go, they twist and turns, and crazy shit happens. But, but this is a little more straightforward, you know, arc and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the there's the whole mystery of who is Lady Whistledown, which is the one putting out the scandal. Uh, the um... why can't I think of the word? Um, oh the yeah, tabloid, the newspaper the tabloid she writes. of the time. Uh, that I like. That was a really cool uh, little. Which, which uh, I I called yeah. who it was halfway through the season because they do reveal who it is at the end of the season. Oh, at the um, end. Okay. But I do enjoy that it's voiced by uh, Julie Andrews. It's, it's oh, is that who's doing the? Vo- oh my oh, god, yes. okay. that's fucking funny. Didn't even call it. The only thing that I I have seen. I mean, I've seen people talk about it online, but my favorite tweet was. Uh, Someone saying that they all they want is for Julie Andrews to say XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Guess who's back in the house? He's <laughs> click clacking about. Um Oh my god. Forget forget Julie Andrews doing it. I want Ben de la Creme as Julie Andrews <laughs> to do right. it. With the voiceover uh, by the woman who actually did the vocals for that track, but you know what I mean. Like I want yeah, that yeah. version of it. Right. Microphone I, I drop. <laughs> um, I like the music they did throughout. They even did some um, kind of string quartet versions of contemporary music, um, which was which was good. I recognized a couple of the songs. Um, they did Ariana Grande's "Thank You Next," Maroon 5's "Girls Like You," Shawn Mendes's "In My Blood," Billie Eilish's "Bad Guy," Celeste's "Strange." And then Taylor Swift's Wildest Dreams, which that one was set to quite the sexy um, entanglement uh, in the two <laughs> lead characters. That was good. Yeah, yeah I, I think when I noticed that, I was like listening, and I, I don't know these songs as well as others might, but I was like, that sounds familiar. What is that? And then you look it up, and you're like, oh my god, this is brilliant. Like, there's so many little things like that, and it's a beautiful show. I mean, they even if the story is like kind of like not your thing, uh, it, it's it's a gorgeous show. Like they 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 talked about in the article I read. Um, like they're really trying to bring new life into this era visually. They're not trying to like reproduce history. I mean, there's definitely major departures historically from some things that were happening in that era. But a lot of it is true to the the spirit of the Regency era in all the court laws and you know, uh, machinations to try to preserve your family. Like, all of that's there. Uh, but, like, just gorgeous. Just sets are just spectacular. And it also sort of, you're watching this and you're like, wow, did they, they must have not filmed this during COVID. Or or if they did, good for them, my God. Cause it's <laughs> that would be like, quite the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> Do you find yourself now watching television and going... Oh God! Please just stay six feet apart and put a mask on. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it depends. It depends. So I won't go into Drag Race because they're going to save that. But I watched—I've uh, been watching season thirteen, and I just watched UK first episode last night. And it's so funny because I know that UK started before pandemic, 
and I've been watching, you know, season 13, which was filmed during the pandemic, like, you know, the height of the pandemic. Or, well, I don't know. I guess we're at the height of the pandemic now. <laughs> um, there is no... We're just, it's, a, it's a rolling height it's a rolling of the pandemic. Out. I was going to say. <laughs> we're it's just an pandemic. incline. It's just an incline. It's we an haven't incline. plateaued we're, out. We're, we're at the pandemic, the returning at this point. Because um, like, as, as everybody knows, you can't have a second wave if the first wave never left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... I say that to be like, okay, yeah, in season 13, you see the production, you see how they, like, are trying to mitigate uh, high density, and, and even though they're in a bubble, still, whatever. You watch the first episode of UK Drag Race season two, and you're like, oh my god, they're hugging! They're all they're all running into the workroom and being so close, and they're all, it, 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 it just feels odd. It just feels so weird, and uh, it, it, it's such a mindfuck for me. And especially because knowing... That they're gonna, they stopped production at one point, and then picked it up during the pandemic, and I'm fascinated to see when that changes and what. Double four what, times. What, did you watch Untucked last night? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, there's that point on the couch where uh, Joey J says, "You know, Utica hugged me," and I thought to myself, like, that's the first time I've been hugged in months. And it's um, obviously it's because those contestants are in a bubble together, so they can interact like that. But um, still, I mean, that's the that's the way it's been for a lot of us, just devoid of human contact. Yeah, I know that's absolutely true. That, and uh, I had somebody message me, um, actually, our friend of the pod, Luke. Uh, he messaged me, and he's like, "Oh, so U.S. needed plexiglass, but U.K. doesn't." And I was like, UK started before, you know, the pandemic really hit. We won't even say before it started because, you know, the trace is back to the end of 2019. So we were just blissfully unaware at the time. Uh, but they did, you know, so I, I think filming was either m middle or late January into February or like somewhere in that ballpark. Because it was only a couple of weeks left, I think, or a couple of queens left. Go, uh, when they had to shut down uh, production of UK because UK should have come back, come out in like October or like in that ballpark because that was a year after season one had aired so with them getting shut down and then having to go back and film yeah it'll be interesting to see what the precautions are are in that in that respect I'll get back into I have a, another part that kind of ties into that but I'll get into it when we talk about my uh my topic here in a minute eric any last things about bridgerton that you want to uh address for the audience before we move on no just just watch it it's it's fun that's what it is just fun and pretty awesome just like me <laughs> sure jam <laughs> <laughs> Just call me just call me Green Jan right now. It's fine. Don't call me Green Jan. Jan got very upset about that. We will not we will not pink Jan, Green Jan, Purple Jan. And then when when we needed her most, she janished. All right. <laughs> BJ, why don't you talk about your topic, you dirty dirty whore? <laughs> So, for those of you listening, uh, when Pat messaged about getting together to do our uh, our monthly recording, um, I immediately answered and said, sure, that sounds great. 
I choose WandaVision before he even picked a topic. Um, this is on Thursday night before the show even premiered. He had already, <laughs> he had already called WandaVision. <laughs> hey, you gotta, you gotta be ready. Um, so I'm, if you haven't watched the first two episodes, I'm just going to give a couple seconds of silence so you can pause or maybe have jump we all, past have, this. Have the four of us all watched have it? Have we all watched it? Yeah, I have. I was going to say, right. if y'all hadn't, y'all leave meeting and come back later. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I watched it last night as well. Okay. Oh, because right. we about to spoil some <laughs> shit. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so if you haven't watched them, hop off, pause this, watch it, and then come back. Because it's for streaming. So at this point, you know, you should be able to, to make time. So we And have when this drops, episode long... three will have come out. So you'll be behind. So get yes. your ass on it and let's do this. <laughs> so the long-awaited WandaVision has dropped finally. Um, was I, I can't remember. Was WandaVision supposed to be the first series to premiere, or was it uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Because I know they, they weren't a hundred percent clear Falcon... about that. I know yeah. both were scheduled around the, the same time. They both, it, no, it had to be first because they were already that far along into production. Falcon and Winter Soldier yeah. was also in production, but wasn't as far ahead, uh, far along. So I, I'm pretty sure WandaVision was always meant to be first with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier following up shortly after. Yeah. So um, it's a trip. Um, it's super interesting to me that every episode is going to begin with a different intro. Because uh, the first two episodes, I believe, were the uh, first one was the 50s and the second one was the 60s and I've got to say I love how when they did the opening for the first episode it was like it was pretty much just like right out the gate you see them driving in the town and that like she literally just slaps a sold sign on the house and they're there um so it's interesting I I'm liking this very slow burn on the mystery um Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are killing me in these like weird embellished roles. Um, you know like what's the killing me? Stuff. Elizabeth Olsen's <laughs> accent in the show. <laughs> that is killing me. Yeah. What accent? <laughs> well, so so they in in interviews they said that she was actually told to rein it in. Um, she was told to rein it in multiple times just for how just from how sitcommy they were being because they they got free license to be as kind of as dorky as possible and I'm like that first scene where she hits him with the plate and she's like my husband and his indestructible head and I'm just like yeah I'm gonna enjoy this it's it's the it's and I honestly I literally choke every time um, Agnes Catherine Hahn's character, um, which we're everybody's pretty much sure is Agatha Harkness. Um, Agnes is on screen. She is hilarious. Like even though they're dated jokes, like like when she turned when she turns away from the camera and goes, I can't believe anybody's sober for this. I was like in tears <laughs> and even when she and, and all of her lines and it's it's she's almost creepy like she's funny but just the way she appears so far in the first two episodes because she just like walks in the house like she just appears behind Wanda like she's just there and 
Um, oh, what is it? It's a how to how to goose your wife so you don't lose your wife. Like all all of her lines are almost very distraction distractioning. And I have now watched... that's romantic. <laughs> no, that's romantic. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. So the first episode we kind of got the the whole uh, mis you know, miscommunication trope where they've got dinner with Vision's boss, Mister 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 and Mrs. Hart. Uh, and then they've got uh, Wanda thinking it's their anniversary. Um, Which I was so happy that... to see Kitty back on screen. Right? Oh, yeah. What was it? Her, her name's uh, Deborah, Deborah Joe Rump. Um, yes. Yeah. And it looks like and it looks like the town, all the townspeople that we met in the first episode are going to be the townspeople from here on. So I'm super yeah. interested to see, like, who they are, who or what they actually are. Um, because we do, do know that Dottie does not trust Wanda at all. Like, she just does not like her. And we have that scene that popped up in the trailer where, while her and Dottie are talking, immediately, um, you hear a voice come over the radio asking, like, who's done this to you, Wanda? And then the radio explodes. Um, well, and so it's, I watched it as, I watched it a second time, and there were two things that really, stuck out about that first inter, uh, introduction for Dottie and that was um, Agnes saying that she's the key to everything mm-hmm. and the whole um, the devil's in the details and that's not the only place the devil is I was like come on Mephisto let's do this well, well and it seems like they've made this whole series they know like big comic fans and all the movie fans are going to overanalyze the shit out of everything on screen. They are going to, and they've done this in such a way, like the only things I have pretty much gleaned from the first two, my first, the first two episodes is that sword is playing a role somewhere. Um, and then the commercials, when I realized what the commercials were, that fucked me up. I'm not even gonna lie. The, the first commercial with the Stark Toaster, that was the bomb that killed her parents. The the, the rubble they were buried under, because the light was red and it was just beeping like it was going to explode. And then the watch, the Strucker watch, uh, that had the Hydra symbolism on it, that was, that, that was when she went to Strucker, her and her brother went to Strucker. So the commercials are almost like pivotal moments in her development or or her could be what made her who she is so it'll be very interesting to see how the commercials play out because i don't think they're deviating those two actors are the only act that's the only thing those two actors are doing are those commercials um so like it'll be it's very weird because you're 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 overanalyzing what everybody's doing like their behavior and I feel like they've put something in there for you. That, when you do that, you miss something. So it's almost like you have to sit back and you have to watch it as a sitcom before you actually start trying to overanalyze everything. Because it's like they know we're going to... Like, 23 movies at this point, they know their fan base. They know exactly... Kevin Feige knows exactly what he's, uh, what he's kind of got here. So it'll be very interesting to see once we actually, because uh, it seems like the little mystery bits come at the end of every episode, um, except for that one moment with Dottie. Um, the beekeeper, that was super weird. Um, Wanda's super fast pregnancy is also 
It's it's the whole thing's concerning. And like I I'm like this isn't gonna end well. No. And one of the things for me that that tied back with Mephisto and the whole devils in the details and and um and Dottie and all of that was the whole for the kids and like the chanting of for the kids oh, and then for her the getting um and then the, her pregnancy at the end and comic book fans know that uh, Tommy and oh God, what are the kids' names? I know Tommy and uh, I, I. I know their code names: Wicked and Speed. Yeah, yeah. So the kids end up being pieces of Mephisto's soul. So then, when he pull, yeah, you know, when he takes them back, and um, that's what sends Wanda into this like crazed state, and then they eventually become part of uh, of everything. So when I went back and watched the second time and I picked up on the, you know, the devils in the details and all of these things, and then, you know, for the kids and p- putting all of that together, was like, oh, okay. Because everybody automatically just took um, the vision by Tom King as being like the, the, the real like kind of reference material. And then a bit of house of M, although I don't understand house of M as much being a reference point for this show only because it's not, you know, it's an alternate reality. I get that, but it's not mutant based. Uh, although there is references like in the first episode with the dinner party in the uh, uh, Chateau de M, I think was the name of, on the, the wine bottle. And there's all these little, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, Maison, Maison. Oh, M or, and, and that scene at the dinner party, like that went from like cutesy and weird to terrifying. And what's funny is apparently they switched uh, how they were filming it. It went to a single camera view, uh, a single a single camera uh, view sort of film, what they did there, where it just kind of got closer to their faces every time it rotated to them. And uh, I do know there was, there was at least an- another scene where Wanda's eyes get slight color at some point. And I can't remember specifically what it was, but that whole moment with... Uh, Mrs. Hart saying stop it and going from like a funny sort of sitcommy stop it to like almost crying saying stop it. And it's but just still like, in that but still in that kind of laughing with it like uh-huh. the whole oh yeah that was Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm super excited to learn more about what's going on, but at the same time I don't because I'm like this is this is terrifying. And then um uh, and the funny moment, like, it's legitimately funny. Like, I really wasn't expecting, like, uh, Drunk Vision. Drunk Vision with the gum stuck in his, like, gears was probably one of the funniest things. And then when he gets the gum out, he's like, well, it really gummed up the works, didn't it? He's like, okay, I guess I'm not funny without it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's super interesting. What did, what did you guys all think? I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, it definitely harkened me back to all the Nick at Night that I've watched growing up. I mean, the first episode was basically Dick Van Dyke. Uh, yep. Second one was uh, be felt like bewitched. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Including the uh, the intro. The intros are <laughs> fucking phenomenal. What? Which, which which they're written by um, the Lopez's, right? Yes. Yes. Of, of the, the theme the theme, theme songs are yes. Yeah. Bobby yes, and, all the theme uh, songs. Kristen and Bobby Lopez. Yes. Frequent contributors to the new uh, the new version of Ask Me Another. Should get Ophira to ask them about WandaVision the next time they're on the show. Yeah, they've been on five times. 
Oh my god! And gosh. I think and three or four of them have been during the pandemic. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, the, which, it, by the way, this is another aside. Uh, that show during the pandemic, so different, but also still very entertaining. Uh, I, I caught it the other day by accident uh, in, in a local NPR here in Seattle and a KUW, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's they're still doing it!" And it sounds so weird being not in the Bell House and, and like this. They're probably on their their own little you know houses and all that, uh, but it's still really funny. Uh, so WandaVision, uh, I like it. Um, I think what I'm into is more of the, uh, loving recreation of these eras of sitcoms. I don't think the, for the most, for most of the audience that's going to watch this, all of these little details and references do, do not matter. Like it's great. And it's in that Marvel tradition where they're going to have the Easter eggs for the fans, but like, don't hear that and think. Uh, what the f- I'm not going to know what's going on, but you're not supposed to know what's going on. You're supposed to be lost in this weird world and little things just peek through occasionally. Like the second episode, you get the, the helicopter, the little, little oh, toy yeah. helicopter, the sword it, helicopter that had sword on it. Right. But you yeah. don't have to care about what sword is. Doesn't matter. Right. Uh, then you get the thing with the beekeeper coming out of the manhole, which I felt like, and actually one of our uh, our listeners and friends, uh, uh, Matt Brassard, was like, he's totally getting AIM vibes from it, which I totally got too, uh-huh. though I don't know if that's going to play a role or not, or it may just be a visual Easter egg. doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's it's adding tension. Those, the, the moment in the first episode where uh, Mr. Hart, who potentially is a reference to Steve Englehart, who was one of the creators early on, like who cares maybe doesn't matter uh but that choking scene when things kind of start to go off the rails yeah and then how how like wanda is just sitting there awkwardly not doing anything but staring at vision and sort of like actually not staring off camera a little bit and then finally is like vision help help him yeah it was so intense and out of character for that uh, that sitcom environment almost and environment and and then and then it snaps back to this reality that is being a, a, a asserted somehow of this uh, sitcom of this I Love Lucy ish sitcom or Dick Van Dyke sitcom so like it's fascinating in that sense um, it's it's hard and sometimes because even though I love these characters I mean I'm a Marvel fan I don't know that I don't know how it's gonna play I'm glad we're enjoying it. Yeah. I, I've heard nothing but mostly like pretty good stuff, but like that the 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 slavish sort of like they're trying to really go for that style of sitcom isn't always going to be successful to a modern audience unless they're into throwback stuff, which maybe yeah. now that works because people they find it, they discover it, and they're like, oh, this is actually pretty funny. But the humor is so not a modern sensibility; it's in that era. So it's a lot of weird things that Marvel has decided to really start there you know, TV cinematic universe, whatever with it's a, it's a bold choice, which I love Marvel for doing. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, the thing is they've had their biggest successes when they do a movie where they change the, where there's a tonal shift, like the Spider-Man, the, so far the Spider-Man movies that have been part of the MCU have been interesting because they're like coming of age tales. They're like at their core, they're teen movies. Um, with Tony Stark at their like the first one at their core they're like PTSD recovery movies like uh, uh and then when you have Captain America you have more of a kind of uh, outsider syndrome is kind of his thing until you get to the civil war movies where he actually you know he has an established 
friend and family. Um, so, and then when you get to, like, the later Avengers movies, you, the Avengers are kind of like a family unit, like a kind of like a family slash military unit, but they're very close. So, with WandaVision, or all their TV properties, you now have, they now have a slightly more secure way to experiment with different types of storytelling. Um, I love the fact that, because originally, originally, the original Doctor Strange movie was supposed, the original one was supposed to be more of a horror movie. Um, but they pulled that back because they were nervous about doing that. And now, uh, with Sam Raimi directing uh, Multiverse of Madness, they said that straight up, oh no, this is supposed to be scary. Like, this is supposed to be creepy and weird and, like, not like other Marvel movies. And that was, and that's the thing that I'm most excited about with all these TV properties. So, um, it'll be interesting. I'm super interested for them to introduce S.W.O.R.D. in the MCU. Because S.W.O.R.D., in the comics was more of a like space like they were supposed to it was what the sentient world observation and response department which was more of a like they guard they guard earth from space threats so to have them kind of on the ground and like in this sort of potential either like multiverse issue or universal issue it'll be very interesting to see how they integrate that um a couple of people have said it would be interesting if Doctor Strange kind of got with S.H.I.E.L.D. and created that um, as kind of like a uh, extra dimensional threat sort of thing. Um, so we'll see how it goes because uh, they said that this is, this is supposed to directly lead into more Multiverse of Madness and supposed to uh, have some lead in into the next Spider-Man film as well. Um, I'm not sure which comes first. I think Spider-Man comes first, then uh, Multiverse of Madness. Um but I'm super excited. I can't wait. I, I feel like we need to do, like, once we figure out the whole thing, we should probably sit down and do, like, a a big episode to talk about it. Because uh, I'm I'm beyond excited for, this, for the uh, 70s, 80s, and 80s. Are they releasing two episodes each week? No. Um, no. It's one each week after this. Because it's going to feel really short each week. Yeah. Yeah, well... Mando was only was about 35, 40 minutes show. each. Oh, they're, they're shorter than that. Well, I'm yeah, wondering if the link if the link's going to get longer. I don't think because so. Because I, I know... Because uh, uh, I feel like certain sitcoms... Is, is Modern Family 30 minutes? Because I do know that since Modern Family is like the current popular model of sitcoms these days, I'm pretty sure they're going to have like a Modern Family take. Uh, is that 30 minutes or is that 40 minutes? I think it's a it's 30 minute. Is it half yeah. an hour? So I think all the episodes are going to be like 20, between 25 and like 30, 35 minutes. I, I think these two were like actual... around 35-ish minutes with all the credits. And there's like yeah. a good six to eight minutes of credits because I stopped the second episode this time around at when it got to like the... Um, the legit credits not the stylized credits and there were six minutes left so i mean they're they're roughly about half an hour of of you know watchable television before the credits uh start rolling i don't i think that's about the 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 area that they're going to keep them at i think they ended up with uh because they had a rush to finish up production ended up with an extra episode which is why it's an eight week run but we ended up with nine episodes they dropped one and two to start 
and then this will go through for eight full weeks. Although I will say this, and I, I will guarantee it to you all, dear listeners, we will do a full proper micro after this season is over, and it will feature oral. Because we would be doing our longtime listeners a disservice if we did not have oral talk about WandaVision. Because you know that heart was up early on Friday. Oh, I almost stayed up late Thursday. But yeah, no, I feel um, oral would totally murder us if we didn't like include him in any kind of Wanda ish Scarlet Witches discussions. Our our own our own Scarlet bitch needs to be here for uh, for that full length uh, microsode where we discuss, dissect, and disseminate uh, all of the information about WandaVision uh, once all eight, uh, all nine episodes, I apologize, are up and uh, streaming on Disney+. Plus. So, mark my words, dear listeners, you will get some oral after WandaVision is over. We hope that you are enjoying this and all the other fantastic podcasts entertainment that we put out for you here at flame on and our parent company omniverse slash nerdy show if you are enjoying what you are listening to don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and uh why not check out our website flameonshow.com where you can scroll to the bottom click on any of the chiclets to follow us in your favorite social media platform and uh while you're at it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Right now, we have paused the month of January for our billing cycle. Uh, we are doing some work on retooling and revamping. We're going to launch new Patreon tiers in February. So our uh, we're going to go back to our billing cycle in February. I, I know I said we might take uh, an extra month or so off. Uh, but our patreon content is now up to date and uh all of our micro micros are out all of our a sip of tea with oral have been put up everything is caught up and up to date so we are going to go back in on february uh with our billing cycle but come march we are uh or i'm sorry in february with that relaunch of our uh billing cycle we are going to introduce new tiers we are revamping our Patreon. We are going to try to make it a little more interactive and a little more fun for you all out there. So uh, be sure to take a look at that. And um, if you join on at a patron level now, you get access to all of the content that we have up there, including those micro micros, a sip of tea with oral, depending on what level you join at, you'll get access to those. And then uh, we will let you all know in uh, February how you can switch over to one of our new tiers and uh, get to enjoy all of the fun and frivolity at those levels on Patreon. So if you are enjoying us, please help us continue to make this podcast that we so enjoy doing for you and that we hope you enjoy listening to by going to patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. We got two more topics that we're going to talk about. Brian, why don't you hit us with your topic? So I uh, was flipping through the uh, the Hobo Max, as we call it, uh, HBO Max, and trying to just find different things. And there's a lot of good stuff up there, as we've, I think, previously talked about. Like, you, you surprising, like, oh, that's there, too? What? Um, and there's a show in there called Adult Material that I don't think a lot of people uh, know about or talking about. And it's, it's a quick series. I think it's uh, six episodes, uh, maybe... Yeah, I think it's six uh, hour or no, maybe four actually, but it's it's like hour long episodes, very very quick series. It's British. It's uh, it was for Channel UK or, or sorry Channel Four uh, in the UK, but um, it's you know being uh, streamed almost simultaneously over on on, on HBO uh, Max. But uh, it's a very contemporary look at adult the adult industry, let's say adult porn uh, uh, industry, uh, and it's 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 very. It has a lot of verisimilitude as far as, like, I see this as a real story that's happened. It brings in... It's about this one sex worker, uh, Jolene Dollar, who does uh, a a robust amount of uh, traditional filmed uh, porn, does her own, like, you know, OnlyFans equivalent, um, you know, very, very, very active uh, at making content for her audience and she's kind of the seasoned professional. She's in her mid thirties, um, which for a lot of adult, uh, a lot of porn, it's it's a little more uh, like that's like the end of their towards the end of their career, especially for women. Um, though I mean, there are certainly notable exceptions to that. Um, and she's sort of there on a scene where there's this new porn star, uh, new new sex worker coming in who says, oh, this is my first time. And so uh, Jolene takes like a very maternal role to her. Uh, her character's named Amy. Um, actually played really interestingly by this actress. I've never heard of Sienna Kelly. I really, really enjoyed her sort of spacey, weird performance. But um, long story short, uh, things go sideways, of course. Uh I won't go through the whole litany of things, but you know, you get to see a look at a porn star who has reached the pinnacle of their career, then has uh, some really bad shit happen in her life. Some of which is her own doing some of which just is unfortunate, you know, coincidence, whatever Uh, you get to see Rupert Everett in this glorious elder porn, uh, like, God, I don't even know how to describe him. He's got this flowing uh, gray mane of hair. He walks around his, like, uh, it's a sort of Hugh Hefner-y, like, you know, uh, sexy party, orgy, whatever, mansion <laughs> uh, with his robe, you know. Uh, he's an interesting character because he doesn't, he's not, he's not, no one in this show is portrayed as, like, villainous or uh, perfect. Like everybody, even the main, uh, you know, Jolene and her children and her family, like everybody makes mistakes. It's very, like I said, it's, it's believable. 
Um, but it's a no no flinching like this is the adult industry in this microcosm. It gets into the sort of media reaction is is porn too much is it desensitizing is it causing you know you get into that discussion about you know what are the the uh, side effects of of people watching porn uh too much or at all you get into some legal kind of battles about you know well you accused me of this and and then i'm going to bring all my lawyers in and take you down and and how does that affect somebody and their career and then how do they find a way back from like utter ruin, you know, and disaster, uh, personally and professionally. So, I really was taken by it, and uh, it's from relative newcomers that have basically uh, screenwriter and director ha- have done like screenwriters as playwright, director has done like one-off episodes. They actually did uh, his dark materials, not adult materials, in this case, but did an <laughs> episode of his dark materials, uh, which surprisingly I have not talked about, and I I actually kind of forgot because. I, I am not uh, th- that that show disappoints me, but uh, and it's based on one of my favorite book series of all time. But whatever, uh, yeah. So uh, adult materials is delightful. Uh, it's 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 funny at times. It's dark, really dark at times. Uh, one one spoiler I will put out there. I mean, this is kind of humorous, but it's also kind of dark at some point. Is basically the mother ends up getting chlamydia. Uh, I, the eye version, you know, pink eye from uh, uh, an onset uh, incident, and then like passes it on to her kids, or at least one of her kids, which is pretty fucked up in a, in a sense. And it's basically because of eyelashes. It's, it's nothing that you know. It's just, you know, if anyone who's been in the drag world, you know, uh, pink eye is a problem. Uh, it can go around if people share makeup or or other things. Uh, so that that's a that's a funny, and it, it leads to Jolene having to wear this eye patch, uh, you know, in several very embarrassing moments for her. But, um, yeah, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, it's like I said, it's really short. Uh, I don't believe there's going to be any more of it. It's, it's in, and there's really no reason to continue the story. Um, it, it kind of finishes everything off in, in a way that sort of like satisfies you, I think. Um, so to speak. Um, I won't say it gives you a happy ending, but it, it gives you uh, an ending that you feel satisfied with. So, uh, yeah, adult material on HBO Max. I am guessing none of you have seen this. No, uh, but I, I while you were talking about it, I looked it up and I added it to my list because it's only like four episodes. Yeah, it's yeah four hours of your life. You can binge it. Uh, yeah, no, totally... Uh, it's not like gonna uplift your soul as far as like a happy, you know, Bridgerton, you know, sort of, you know, whatever. And it's 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 not the pop culture deep divey Marvel stuff that you know we also love to talk about, like Wandavision. But I think it's a, a very unique look into something that we're all probably familiar with, even if we don't want to talk about how much. <laughs> uh, so I'm very uh, I'm glad it exists. I'm pretty sure that it's just for mastication. <laughs> I don't do that. Oh my God. I don't do that. <laughs> I figured I'd tie it back to a WandaVision uh, joke. <laughs> All right, so that's adult material on HBO Max. All right, so to chat about my topic, this was a, uh, a topic I had thrown out to the group for a possible micro-micro um, but it appears that I'm really the only one watching a lot of these rebooted games, uh, game shows from back in my childhood, including, uh, 
one of my uh, favorites from the the 90s supermarket sweep now being hosted by leslie jones uh which premiered on my birthday last year which was so much fun and uh not only features probably the most lgbtqia diversity of any game show or pretty much any program out there uh but also featured two friends and um members of the bearbos family jackie beat and sherry vine as contestants one of the best uh, episodes out there and uh it's it just so much fun uh i i want to say that the kind of reboot of these game shows dates back to oh god at this point maybe almost seven years ago six seven years ago Jeez. when they rebooted hundred thousand dollar pyramid hosted by michael strahan and uh match game hosted by alec baldwin so in addition to those two you also have card sharks hosted by joel McHale. you have um press your luck hosted by elizabeth banks Okay, cool. I was like, I can never remember yep, her last name. Yep, that's name. correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I actually had a friend who was on uh, Press Your Luck, uh, big gingerish bear that was on, um, oh, God, at this point, probably, I think it was like two months ago the episode aired, um, uh, was a theme park uh, employee who's now chosen a new venture because of the pandemic and everything going on. Uh, but he was on the show, which was fun to watch. Um, but there has been a new show that has been rebooted and just premiered. We're two episodes into its run at the time of this recording. And it is one that I absolutely loved growing up. And part of that was because, one, I loved music and was always the one to have my Walkman on and have his tape in there and just you know have his headphones on and then switch over to a disc man and all of that but they rebooted name that tune hosted by jane krakowski who is a delight <laughs> and i love her so, so much she's so good she is stunningly beautiful and um just a joy and a pleasure to watch it also features Randy Jackson, who I think yeah. is just a puppet with the spirit of Randy Jackson being pumped into it from a different location. Because he looks... Have, have y'all seen the show? Have you watched either of the two episodes? I've, I've, seen, I've seen some clips. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've just seen clips and commercials. Okay. He does not look like he is a fully functioning... Well, like human <laughs> he doesn't look well absolutely he's he's like i remember he when he first lost the weight it was like everybody was commenting like how fast it was and then like he's kept it off but he doesn't he doesn't look like randy jackson anymore it's it, he looks so different he doesn't operate it's, it's, at the speed of like a normal human either <laughs> it, it it makes me sad because i love jane krakowski so much but I'm just so over Randy Jackson because of the last half of seasons that he was on American Idol. Like, I just don't want to hear him talk. Or, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he's you a don't want to hear him call anybody dog? Position. I, uh. Yeah. I don't need to hear him call anyone else dog. <laughs> well, they... Uh, so, 
it feels like a very odd mixture of a couple of different game shows and the way they've brought it back. So it starts out very much um, kind of like, ooh, uh, uh, Beat Shazam. I was going to say, was it just called Shazam? So kind of like Beat Shazam hosted by Jamie Foxx, which I think is gone. I don't think they brought it back or produced new episodes. I think that lasted three seasons and, well, I don't know. I don't know. But it has categories and they have to, the uh, the the pit singers, the ones that are, you know, up there, will sing and then they've got to try to buzz in and, and guess the song. So it's kind of like the, essentially like a karaoke version of, you know, of name that tune and then it goes eventually to the um like the face-off which if you watch the original name that tune the band was like an actual like orchestra with strings and it was you know very much an orchestral arrangement of whatever the uh the song was now i i don't have extremely vivid recollections of it i don't remember if there were clues or what the deal was when they were talking about, you know, like having to do their bidding back and forth. But honestly, the way that the clues are given, for the most part, you don't even need to hear the song. You know, I'm sure that there there have to be some sort of clues in order to kind of get your mind into like the, the space of trying to figure it out. But some of these clues that they use are so ridiculously easy that it's just kind of like, wow. Like I would I would go up there, I'd be horrible for the show because I would just be like I can name that in one note and then, you know, like just lose all of the, the back and forth, <laughs> which in the premiere episode, they, so I'll, I'll jump back real quick and just, one of the things that these reboots have done is change the formatting where these shows were all half hour shows in the past. They've now basically taken and made them hour long productions with two episodes together. So you go through the, the <gasps> formatics for the first half hour and then another set of contestants and you do the formatics again for a second except for press your luck which goes on this like long journey for the second half where it's this like other games that they've added they tacked on to uh to their show but the premiere episode when they were going back and forth i forget what the clue was but the one guy was like i can name that in 10 notes and then the other guy turned around and was like, I can name that on one note. And the whole crowd was like, ooh, that'd be me on every one of them. Like, it just wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the thing. It's funny because, like, I know older episodes of the show. I'm wondering if the way music is now, like, because it's all, it's, it's all Randy, J- it's all a band, like, playing it, right? Like a live so, band. The live band plays um, the actual music, like when it's the the band singing. When they do the the like showdown, the note like battle, Randy is playing those notes on the piano. So it's a oh, different okay. like instrumentation than what it normally is. Uh, where oh, okay. in the original uh, version of it, the you know the the strings the violins the the cellos all that they would play those notes i don't think there was just like a piano that did it but it's it's interesting it's cute and then it goes into the final you know the uh, the golden note round where they have a chance for a million dollars and they have to name 
seven songs in I think sixty seconds. I think it's sixty seconds, and they they go through and it's no words. It's just the band playing the song, and then they have to either you know try to guess it or pass it to to conserve uh, time. And it's just it's interesting, and it's one of those shows that I've always loved. I music has been a huge part of my life, and I was so excited when I saw it uh, advertised to be you know coming back and, and being this this game show like that reboot. I'm kind of a mixed bag on it right now. Uh, it is entertaining. It's kind of it's it just I don't know. It, it's it's still on the fence. Jane Krakowski though absolute godsend especially in a time like this where you know in the last couple of weeks we've had a lot of more negative news than positive stuff going on so to have her infectious spirit and uh just amazing personality on a on a game show is fantastic now when we were talking earlier and i mentioned about you know watching tv shows and how does it like kind of trigger your mind as far as the way everything is part of that was because i wanted to bring it back up now because this game show filmed during the pandemic with a live studio audience because they flew everybody to Australia and filmed this show in Australia. So that way they could... And Australia has immense measures. You enter the country. First off, you have to have a negative test before you can board the plane to even attempt to fly to the country. Then when you get there, you're tested again, and you're put into a mandated hotel 14-day um, lockdown. And so to hear a little bit about this, if you um, go back, I think, two weeks on... Uh, well, when this drops, it might, it'll be a little bit longer. Within the last like four or so episodes of NPR's uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me... Jane Krakowski was their guest, and they, she talked about this. They put them in a hotel room, and uh, she had asked them, she's like, well, where's the key? And they're like, well, you're not leaving, so why do you need a key? <laughs> because you are put into that room, and you were locked in that room for 14 days. You know, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The military right now, if I had to go to Japan, which they just shut the borders, and we talked, I actually almost did this. Thankfully, I didn't because I think it would have been a special kind of help. But if you go to Japan, it's the same thing. And they actually put you in a hotel. You can't take tra public transportation to get there, which if you know Japan is kind of a pain in the ass, especially in the more, um, you know, city area. But anyway, uh, yeah, and they bring food to your room for 14 days. I mean, it's it's a reality. And, and it's yeah. So I that's that's funny that they've had to do that. Yeah. So that's how they did it. They flew all the contestants from the U.S., to australia did all of this jane you know went through this randy jackson maybe that's it maybe randy was just really tired from being in a hotel room by himself for 14 days <laughs> um but they they did all of this in order to film a tv show with a live audience i don't know how i feel about that again it's one of those things and i, and I get that the country of australia has much different protocols and much higher standards because that shit happens here. Somebody tries coming in. Somebody comes back from Puerto Vallarta. There's no hotel that they got to go stay in for 14 days. You know what I mean? So I, I, I at least can appreciate that aspect of it. I mean, it's weird because um, I watched this British show, Taskmaster. And their most recent season, 
filmed both before and after lockdown because of the way that they film each contestant is filmed separately in succession doing the tasks and then it's all, all the footage is edited and brought back for them to sh- film the actual episode and so the live studio audience was actually in a separate sound stage from the contestants and the taskmaster and so they were all spaced out and watching the episode on a screen as they were filming it and then you could see the t- contestants were um, broken out like spaced out on stage um, but you could see how they actually changed the tasks so contestants were still doing the same tasks but they were done in a different way when certain contestants had to do them to um, preserve the everything yeah and it's I mean it's interesting to see how productions are, are working around this and I appreciate the fact that you know we've got like CW shows are getting ready to kick off. I think we've got uh, possibly this weekend or next week or this week. I think coming up uh, from when we're recording. So we, once this drops, I think we'll actually have some. But like Batwoman, I think it's the seventeenth. So tomorrow, uh, you know, we're recording this on Saturday the sixteenth. I think the the first episode of season two drops. You know, so we're getting you know these productions. RuPaul, you know, Drag Race. Season 13, they were quarantined and they did, you know, all of that, um, you know, All-Star 6, which we, tech, quote unquote, don't know about yet. They did the same thing and had to, like, so I get these, I, I get that. I'm still, like I said, a little a little weirded out about the fact that we go to another country to, you know, work around these things in, in certain respects. But then it leads me to a show that came back that I thoroughly enjoy and have watched most of, if not all of the seasons depending on if they were available. Uh, but Hell's Kitchen returned for its newest season. And they are getting around, because it normally films in L.A., but L.A. especially has had a lot of a lot of issues and a lot of lockdowns. So they filmed this entire thing in Vegas because Nevada apparently is a bit more lenient. And th- my issue... And what kind of messes with my head and kind of fucks with my head a bit is a show like Hell's Kitchen, when you have food service being done, you know, these dinner services being done, and you have these people coming in to eat, all I could feel in my heart of hearts while watching this first episode was why are people doing this? Why are people going to a restaurant? Because you know not everybody is being quarantined for two weeks before they come in for these you know these meals they're doing this in a state like it's like going to florida which has no restrictions in and in, in filming it there because nobody's giving a flying fuck about it there so now you're doing this in our own country in a state that has lower regard for what they're doing or what they're allowing in order to make this production and, and film this show like i feel like there's a part of me that would would rather would be much more okay with them doing like you know you it, it had I don't know and it, it, like I'm getting kind of worked up about this and I'm just like <laughs> like is it wasn't there a way that you could do this so it put less people at risk because even if you quarantine these contestants who are together for this extended period of time you're now exposing them to other people 
who are coming in and, and eating during these things. Because, you know, the whole thing is the celebrities and this person and that person that's part of, you know, the, the dinner service. So that way Gordon Ramsay can fucking yell at them and curse them out for the entertainment of the show. You know, when you have a show like MasterChef, which doesn't utilize a lot of those same things and you don't have a lot of those um, uh, live dinner you know, services, there are some, depending on what's going on. But, like, I really just feel like there could be better ways to do this. And then they're doing all these, you know, showing all of these trips to these excursions, these jaunts that are prizes and rewards for the winning teams of different challenges. And I'm just sitting there like, my skin is crawling because I know that this is being filmed during a pandemic. So, I mean, I just, I, I figured this was a, as good of a time as any to just rat back around to kind of taking a look at, at this whole thing. What do you all think? about all this. I feel like the only shows that should be filming right now as far as reality competition shows are Big Brother and Survivor. Because they're just And the so... circle. And the circle. Because that bitches oh, are yeah, in their the own circle. apartment the anyway. Circle should definitely... <laughs> why, why don't we have a second season of The Circle? They're, it's built they are filming for... it. They're filming season two. But I mean, it should have been out already. <laughs> <laughs> you, could have, you could have done season crazy. two, three, four, seven, twelve. <laughs> We were all doing it. We all were all doing it at anyway. the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I can't imagine that Top Chef would ever do what um, uh, Hell's Kitchen is doing. Yeah, yeah, but and, and even if they did, I feel like they would do it in a way that was safe, that they weren't putting themselves into these different situations, because you could do. You could pare down Top Chef and still have them do a lot of the things that they're doing, but not have it be in that... Like, they could do it differently. American Ninja Warrior is a perfect example of that. They go city to city, and you have all of these crowds, and then they do this big thing in Vegas and, you know, build fucking Mount Midoriyama and do this these obstacle courses. And they didn't do that this year. In order to film it and make sure that everybody was safe, they didn't have a crowd they did it at one arena and filmed you know x number they did a a truncated season and did it all in one spot everybody was quarantined tested but like all those precautions were in place and you didn't have all those extra variables of having all these people or going to these different places and it's just like we're never going to get out of this if shit like this is how we do it if we're finding ways to skirt the rules in order to do things And now I step down from my, my soapbox. <laughs> come down from the mountain from my speech. But yeah, so that's just, I mean, it, it kind of tied back into it because I want to enjoy Hell's Kitchen. I want to be able to enjoy the, you know, the entertainment that's, uh, that's being put out there. But at the same time, I want it to be done respectfully for not just the people that are a part of it, but for the ones that are, you know, that, that are then going to be exposed to it for you know for whatever reason or these diners that are coming in because you never fucking know what's going to happen and honestly and i'll say this now as part of this whole portion if you've had covid don't fucking take it for granted that you can't get it again because i just found out and we're waiting on a on a a second test my neighbor who lives upstairs who helps out with with havoc um who i just realized i just found out um is only a couple years older than my mother. 
had it early on and I has not been feeling well the last couple of days. So I took her to get a rapid test. Her rapid test came back positive. So if the second PCR test comes back with a positive, she's been infected with it twice. You know, and that's you're talking, you know, less than a year because she got it back in March of 2020. So for for people out there that, that just think, oh, well, I have it. I have antibodies. I, you know, it's it's fine and dandy. You know, the shit doesn't care. Those antibodies don't last forever. So just, you know, it, it's a whole different perception of how entertainment is being made and and kind of taking a closer look at some of those things and wanting to suspend, you know, disbelief and you know, the suspension of reality and just enjoy the entertainment. But, you know, you also have to be responsible and, and really kind of know what the hell is going on. So anywho now. So, yeah, so uh, I'm enjoying Name That Tune. Hosted by Jane Krakowski on Fox Wednesday nights <laughs> or Thursday morning if you have uh, Hulu and uh, you know uh, or, or Hulu Plus uh, the original Plus Hulu Plus if you have it, uh, it it's up the next day if not then it's uh, you know a week later if you have just you know regular Hulu uh, so those are the topics that we are enjoying this month in uh, pop culture why don't we uh, swing it back around the other way. And uh, let's talk about our one-ups. These are the things that are giving us life, 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 life. In the month of January 2021, Brian, what is giving you life? So it's been out for a while, but and the second season actually starts at the end of this month. Um, Snowpiercer uh, on TNT of all networks. Uh, who knew? Um, I was wondering I, how that was. I've seen the movie. So, yeah, I've seen the movie. I read the first graphic novel that it... That the movie and the TV show are based off of, um, and it's very different. The movie, uh, the movie is a very different thing, a version of the graphic novel. I think the TV show is a little bit more because it just has more time and it explores um, some of the social dynamics a little bit more in depth. Uh, so, if you're not familiar, Snowpiercer is this kind of outrageous like idea uh, conceit of the uh, Earth is frozen because of climate change, but not the way you'd expect. Uh, and there's this train, this uh, thousand car train that is running across the world. Let's pretend there's tracks that go across all the world, right? Um, and the train is the only way for humanity to survive. And like the people who, you know, the uber rich buy into seats on it. And then like pretty much something happens when it's about to launch and a bunch of like your average people like invade the train because it's their last chance to survive. And so you get this fascinating, like, social strata of, like, first class being the uber-rich, the tailies, tail section, you know, the end of the train being the, you know, average people who then are forced into poverty because they're not even supposed to be there. But anyway, that's the setup. Train starts running. It's been running for, like, eight years in the show. Uh, I cannot remember his last name. David from Hamilton? Diggs. 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 Uh, and Jennifer Connelly are probably the two names that you'd recognize that are involved in this show. Uh, and both are playing... So it's not the movie. Let me just put that out there. It's not the movie. It's got elements of the movie. It's got elements of the graphic novel. But it's its own thing. And it's it's really... Uh, I like it. I'm very... Like, there's parts of it where I kind of go, okay, yeah, this looks uh, like a little like TV too much... It, 
like there's a fine line because it's a TV show and you're on this very limited like sort of like narrow you know because the train cars are still train cars are narrow um, and you know you don't get the effects budget of a movie which the movie is amazing I, I do enjoy that uh, you know I need to go back and watch it again now but um, yeah if you like sci-fi that explores social uh, concepts and not like the far future but sort of the near future that could be uh, it's especially relevant too when you're watching this and you're thinking about the pandemic and the way humanity reacts as we've been talking about quite a lot uh, you start to see oh my god this isn't so far fetched <laughs> the way this plays out the, the, the top you know 1% uh, sort of controlling everything the delicate balance of keeping this this bubble ecosystem you know going and that's sort of where more of the Jennifer Connelly stuff comes in because uh, David is like the, the revolutionary figure who's actually a cop and they actually bring him into the first third whatever classes to investigate a murder and then Jennifer Connelly is like that uh, sort of voice of the train. Uh, you know, there's there's stuff with her you find out about that's pretty cool. But like she's she's part of the leadership trying to keep things balanced and, and going. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. I, I, I'm going to try to finish it. It's on HBO Max, too. So if you don't have cable, uh, which briefly I had like the YouTube TV equivalent of cable and uh, that's going away. So uh, HBO Max, thankfully, does have the series and I assume we'll have the second season, too, uh, at some point. So it's all up there now for the first season. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. No, Piercer. When you brought that up, I was like, the movie from how many years ago? I didn't realize it was a TV show. <laughs> N- who was it? Uh, God, who was in the movie? Was that Chris Evans? Yeah, it was yes. Chris, e- Chris Evans was in the movie. And, and Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Oh, uh, The Ancient One and uh, Captain America. Gotta love it. All right, BJ, what is giving you life? So, what is giving me life actually involves death. Um, so, I have, uh, just because of what's been going on with the um, pandemic and everything, I've been playing a lot more online games. And one I have gotten absolutely addicted to is Phasmophobia. Um, it is a uh, survival horror multiplayer. Um, and pretty much it's, uh, you are a paranormal investigator. Uh, usually it's, it's usually fun with a team of three or four. Um, and you have things like a spirit book, a spirit box, um, a little like CB radio to see if you can hear uh, the spirit talk and you're given a house and objectives. Uh, so one of those objectives could be, um, you can film, uh, you need to take a picture of spirit lights, uh, take a picture of the spirit itself. You're given information on the spirit's name. Um, you, uh, get a, there's usually like a piece of the spirit's previous body, like a bone or something buried in the house somewhere that you can find. Um, and there's a timer when you first, when you first get to the house, there's a timer. You have about five minutes before the spirit starts hunting you. And what that means is all the doors lock. So you can't get out of the house. Your flashlight flickers on and off. And if the spirit sees you anywhere in the house, they will chase you down. Um, you don't really move fast. Your your run is kind of a brisk walk. Um, and generally, if you make too much noise, it'll go into the direction of that noise. Um, uh, for instance, a friend of mine 
I was hiding in the bathroom and a friend of mine opened the door to the bedroom and went to close the door of the bedroom and he closed it too hard. So then he could hear footsteps coming down the hallway towards the bedroom. And luckily he got into the bathroom before it opened the door and got him. Um, because you need at least two doors between you and it. And generally that's the kind of the, the rule of thumb with safety. Um, you need to find things like the uh, the transformer or the uh, you need to reset the circuit box because if you turn on too many lights, it will the spirit will turn off the lights. Uh, will turn off the circuit breaker. Um, so it's it's pretty terrifying because um, some of the objectives require you to say the spirit's name um, or agitate it. So it'll do things like cause brown water to pour out of the sink, and that's one of your objectives to get a picture of that. Um, it'll move an object. It'll just appear out of nowhere in front of you, which is horrifying. Um, so it's it's interesting. And then if you say things over the microphone, because uh, there are different modes of the game. Like there's a mode I played with some friends where the microphone's always on, so the spirit can hear you. So if you're in the house and you say things like, I'm scared, I'm afraid, that scared the crap out of me, that actually agitates the spirit into hunting you, specifically you. Um, if you do things like pick up the bone, if a hunt kicks off, it's coming directly for you. Um, they've added a couple of maps. Uh, so they've had like three different styles of house. Um, usually the maps are randomized. The house layouts are randomized. So you might get the same house, but the layout may be different. Um, there's a prison. There's an old school, uh, an old high school. There's a uh, mental uh, institution um, where the circuit box would be on the completely opposite end of the map. Um, so you have to kind of navigate in the dark most of the time. Um, you can set up a film camera. There's all sorts of things you can do. And, and uh, as you level up, you get access to like a, a forehead camera, which makes it easier to film when the spirit does stuff. Um, but it's a super simple game. Um, and it's a lot of fun to play with friends. I think it even has a VR mode now. And it's like this one guy created it. And now there's like two people that work on this game. Uh, it's available on Steam. Um, it's, I think, around twelve ninety nine, uh, maybe less. But uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's terrifying. I feel like we should all get on uh, Eric or Brian's uh, Twitch one night and try giving that a shot. I think we. I think we'd have fun. Is the ghost an AI or is it another player? So, um, so part of your objective is you have a journal. So let's say the ghost uh, drops everything to freezing temperatures. Um, it, uh, it creates spirit orbs on camera and, uh, it writes in the spirit book. When you tick those three things, it actually identifies the spirit. So you have, I think six or seven different types of spirits and that's your objective is to, their main objective is to identify the spirit. So the cleansing crew, like a, a priest or whoever can come in and actually cleanse it. Um, so you got anything from a demon to a wraith to an, uh, Oni, uh, and then, uh, each one of those spirits has different personalities and different abilities. Um, so like a demon will hunt you, like will, the hunt will kick off like super quick. Um, it, it's, it's hunting you down. And generally demons like, uh, for instance, a friend of mine took a picture of the room where we found where the spirit was located. And when he looked at the picture, there's somebody standing in the middle of the bed with a knife, but there's nobody there. And you're like, hmm, all right, well, time to go. Um, and then also, if certain things happen, you have a sanity meter that drops. 
So whoever has the lower sanity is more susceptible to being hunted by the ghost. So, um, so each ghost has kind of their own behaviors. Um, and if it catches you, it does kill you. Um, and the body will just be laying there when everybody else can find the person. Um, so it's, it, it can be, I've literally, my roommates played it. I've literally heard him scream. I've never heard him scream more at anything than when playing this game, especially when he plays it on VR. Um, but it's good. It's, it's so much fun. First, I thought you said it will hug you relentlessly. And <laughs> at first I, I, I mean, was like, I could, I could use that in this pandemic. So maybe I want the ghost to come hug me relentlessly. Uh, but basically you're, you're, so you're kind of saying that it's, it's, um, uh, ghosts among us. Kind of. So it's, it's almost like hide and seek because no, cause the whole point of you is you're trying to find where the spirit manifests mostly. And so generally that's like where the low temperatures are, where the EMF reader goes off. Um, so those are the tasks that you items. have to complete. Yep. And then if it kills <laughs> but, you and it leaves the body, like somebody it, else will find it. But but it's not like Dead by Daylight where somebody's controlling the killer and looking no. for the team of you. Okay. No, it's, uh, yeah, the, the spirit's its own AI. Um, I don't know if there are plans to expand it so that, like, you can have somebody play as the spirit. But the formula with just you playing as the paranormal investigators is per- is almost perfect. It's great. Nice. So that is Fantasia starring Mickey Mouse uh, giving <laughs> BJ life. No. Phantasmophobia. Is that what you said the name of the game was? Uh, phasmophobia. Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia giving BJ life while taking away other players' lives. Eric, what has given you life this month? So staying in the Regency era of uh, jolly old England um, is the Six Musical, which is based on the Six Wives of Henry the Eighth. And um, I know the show's a couple years old. Um, it debuted at the 2017 Edinburgh Fringe Festival, I believe, before then making its way to the West End and then going on a U.S. tour. It was actually supposed to open on Broadway like the day after Broadway shut down for the pandemic. Um, Yeah, I know. So it's set up like a pop concert. So the Six Wives are a pop girl group. And kind of they are competing to see who's going to be the lead singer by saying the person who had the worst time with Henry VIII is going to be the lead singer. So each of their songs is telling their story and pleading their case to who had it the worst. Um, and each of the six wives are kind of inspired by different contemporary uh, female artists. So like Catherine of Aragon is kind of styled after Beyonce. Anne Boleyn is kind of an Avril Lavigne type character. Jane Seymour Adele, Anne of Cleves, Rihanna, Catherine Howard, Britney Spears, and Catherine Parr, Alicia Keys. Um, but it's a lot of fun music. It's It tells some history, gives you a little bit of knowledge. Um, and yeah, 
it made me search out a little bit more information because I don't even know how much I knew about the six wives of Henry VIII other than Anne Boleyn I knew I had heard about her and then the show The Tudors right that's about Henry VIII Anne Boleyn was in that I, think. I believe so um, but I never really watched that show uh, I, I just watched an oversimplified uh, YouTube video about the Henry eight, the six wives of Henry VIII, uh, which definitely gave me more context for the music itself. But it's a lot of fun. Nice six, the musical. I actually have most of the karaoke tracks, so uh, maybe we'll do a flame on uh, karaoke night. <laughs> we'll do some virtual <laughs> virtual karaoke, and you can sing the the music of six, the musical. So um, I'm going to do two quick. I completely forgot about them uh, up until just as we were recording this. And uh, they're both things that I think people, especially after the year that was 2020, uh, would enjoy to kind of put it all out of our, you know, get the bad juju out and and try to bring in some some good juju in this year. Uh, But the mockumentary film Death to 2020 on Netflix uh, produced by uh, Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones, um, the creators of Black Mirror. It's a British mockumentary just kind of taking a look at the year that was 2020. Absurd, ridiculous, factual. Um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of interesting and ridiculous to watch. And honestly, I was basically in tears laughing until it got to the Black Lives Matter part where it took a sharp left turn into super serious where it should be and really kind of driving the point home but it went from funny 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 to bitch you better fucking listen and pay attention to this because this is important Um, and then again it, it kind of flies into you know ridiculousness afterwards especially when they start talking about like the uh the study and like um the scientists researching and studying and working on the vaccine and they cut in like ridiculous footage of of, like hot dogs and all of this stuff too because it's because they want to keep the viewers interest while talking about scientific data um what did you uh think of christina miliotti uh, her, uh, I was just going to say, Kristen Milioti, oh my God. the mother, Tracy, I love her to death. Fucking her, amazing. you know, Karen-esque figure in the movie, I was like, oh my God, why do you have to do this to this poor girl? But she, it was fantastic. Karen descent into QAnon crazy, like that's her arc in this document. And it's an arc, it's funny, it's, it's actually like you see the progression. Uh, oh my God, I wish, I wish that that series had made, been made like a little into 2021 because we could have at least gotten the insurrection nonsense and Trump's impeachment because it has to eventually just end and that like it's it's great though it's so fucking funny and uh, dark <laughs> I just love the um, at the end what is it doing the credits they're like okay well so when we do this for 2021 we just need you to read some uh, <laughs> some lines for us that will splice in next year when we do this and it's talking about like you know like oh my god just ridiculous fantastic um so if you need a good a a good laugh and also some poignant messaging uh it's only like an hour and 10 minutes i think total uh go check it out on netflix 
one that is kind of in that same vein I, I there were portions that I thought were fantastic and some that I didn't find as amazing is on Amazon Prime and it's called Yearly Departed so Yearly Departed is directed by Linda Mendoza featuring Sarah Silverman, Tiffany Haddish Rachel Brosnahan Natasha Lajaro, Patty Harrison, Natasha Rothwell, Z-Way, Phoebe Robinson, and uh, Sterling K. Brown makes a, an appearance because they say that they have to be uh, six feet apart or the length of one Sterling K. Brown, and then they pan down on the floor and he's lying there to show the, to make sure that they're they're separated <laughs> properly. Um, and basically, they they it's set up as a uh, a funeral for 2020, and they get up there and each comedian. Uh, gets up there and, and gets to say goodbye to something from the year and you know like one of them is pants and uh you know like all these different topics and these are all extremely talented and funny women and they all do a great job at times it maybe goes on a little too long or goes in some you know tangents that are a little less funny than others uh but then it's capped off at the end throughout the whole thing there's a, a pianist that's you know playing the interlude between uh segments and the one uh, the moderator gets up and is like i'm not gonna sing and uh the pianist is like well i can sing and it's christina aguilera and uh huh? she she sings uh sarah mclaughlin's i will remember you while on the projector behind her it's just a scroll of like um things that that are like we had to say goodbye to like public spaces and crowds and hugs you know things like that um the segment that portion where christina aguilera sings i will remember you is on youtube uh fantastic it's worth a watch but uh i think i forget i think it was in our final podcast uh pop culture roundup of 2020 when we were talking about the things that uh the piece of pop culture that we really enjoyed from the year I had mentioned folklore as being that for me and that I hadn't really had the time to dive into Evermore. And I did while I was taking down my tree because, you know, the perfect time to to really dive into uh, to deep uh, depression making music is while you're de-Christmasing your house. Perfect. But I figured since I had the time and I was going to be in one place just doing one thing for an extended period of time, I would go ahead and play both Folklore and then Evermore back-to-back so I could uh, enjoy Folklore once again, but then really get a chance to listen to Evermore straight through. And uh, to take down my tree and de-Christmas my house, it takes the length of Folklore and Evermore, just as a heads up uh, (laughs) for anybody that was timing that for me. And uh, I just have to say, God damn, it's... Okay, so stylistically, it kind of goes back more into um, kind of like alternative pop-ish. There, there's still that feeling of um, the alternative folk of folklore, but with a bit more uh, synth and uh, instrumentation than folklore provided. But at the core of it, the writing is intense and fantastic and just oh my god if i'd be lying if i did not say that uh there were points where i legit just stopped in my tracks 
and said, God damn it, Taylor, can you please not be writing about my life? And uh, Champagne Problems, which is the second track off of the album, has been really the only one that I listened to a lot and up until that point. And it puts me in tears every single time. Happiness is intense. Um, if you've dealt with breakups, you've dealt with the aftermath and the fallout from both perspectives. It shines a light into a a way of looking at all of that. The fact that you can have given so much time to something that falls apart, but also respect the fact that um, that it gave you so much. And kind of while you may not be that new person yet, that new you, that it it, it exists and it's a matter of working to it. So it, it's things like that which really kind of take and make me appreciate Taylor Swift even more. You know, she's been about a, a lot of jokes over the course of her 13 plus year career at this point. But you got to give the girl credit. That bitch can write and is an amazing lyricist. Um, you know, we, it, I'll even include myself. We all joked when uh, Reputation was getting ready to drop and she put out, look what you made me do. And she said, you know, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, because she's dead. We joked about that line. But honestly, that was the end of the kind of uh, Taylor that would placate the world and and really took a step back and, and didn't own her her success and how much she had to do with it. And since then, we had Reputation, we had Lover, and now Folklore and Evermore. And, you know, her documentary film, uh, Miss Americana, the live concert film that she did, uh, the Long Pond Sessions that she did for Disney+. Plus. All of these things have shown a complete different side uh, of her. And and it's fantastic. So uh, while I, I was a fan of Taylor Swift uh, big time when she first came out and then kind of fell off for a bit and came back around in 1989. And uh, uh, I'm definitely a huge, uh, a huge fan and proponent of her, her music now. So Evermore giving me life making me reevaluate my own self-worth and, and uh, just uh, having a great time with it. So that will conclude our show. Um, don't forget to check us out online, flameonshow.com. Scroll to the bottom. You get all of our social media tabs. Um, on Mondays, we are back into the uh, back into the swing of things with the Rainbow Spotlights over on Brian's Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash curlingbear. It's also on the Flame On um, YouTube page. There is a link at the bottom of flameonshow.com. Uh, live on our Facebook channel. It goes to Instagram TV, yeah. IGTV um, afterwards. Uh, so go check those out. You can go check out the cache of uh, previous interviews. Um, I don't know. Twitch, I think, only keeps them up for like 30 days. I, I feel like yeah, there's a limited time there. If you're trying to go back, yeah, I would go to YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, well, the Instagram definitely, uh, I'm sure it's pretty easy if you go to the IGTV for us and um, go to past uh, live videos on the YouTube page. That's probably one of the easiest uh, places to find everything right there because you don't have to sift through other stuff to get to it. Uh, but those are coming out Mondays. The new episodes are on Mondays, um, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time. 
So go check those out. <laughs> Playfully and lovingly harass Eric to start uh, getting onto his generic with a K underscore games Twitch channel. Start doing stuff on there because we want to go and uh, support and uh, help that. Listen, I you know what I would love is if we got you to like 50 subscribers before you even put a video up. <laughs> that make that path to affiliate very short. <laughs> um, but go check those out. We have a Discord channel, uh, Flame on Funhouse. Um, lots of conversation goes on in there. I don't participate in the conversations all that often, but my phone vibrates quite frequently with other people posting in there. <laughs> So go check out the Discord. Like I said, um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, January, we did not charge. Um, we are retooling. And um, February 1st, we're going to launch new tiers for our uh, our patrons. So that way, if you have not joined, you can, uh, you can join for a one-time fee now and uh, get access to all of our content that's already there. If you wait until after February 1st, there'll be new uh, levels. And then for those of you that are patreon subscribers now at the current levels uh i believe in march we are going to take those tiers away we're going to send you guys a message let y'all know how to proceed from there um but don't worry you'll still have access to all of the great content and all the new content that we're going to be putting out uh we're working on some new fun things to uh to do including maybe some virtual happy hours and lots of great stuff so um Join us on patreon.com forward slash flame on show and uh, be part of the fun. In two weeks, we'll be back. We're going to have a very special guest or two to uh, chat with us. We are going to talk drag race in our next micro. We're already calling that. Normally, we don't talk about what our next, uh, on the next episode of Flame On, we're talking drag race. But uh, I've, I've lined up a special uh, friend of the pod. An honorary uh, co-host who is going to be coming back and talking with us and we're going to chat about season 13 of rupaul's drag race and uk season two so uh check back with us in two weeks but until then ma bitch. hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.